This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Thank you for your word. We thank you for life, that we can celebrate life together. Thank you what you've just done in this past week in our lives. Thank you, Lord, especially last Sunday when you saved so many people. You turned hearts back to you, God. You healed people. We just want to honor you. Lord, come and build your house. This is your house. This is your church. Holy Spirit, you are the guest of honor here. And we pray that you will breathe on the word of God and you'll bring revelation and inspiration and the incorruptible seed of your word will come into our hearts. Lord, it will penetrate and it will cut between our soul and spirit and it will produce fruit. Lord, we renounce the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires, Lord, that we may run to that is other than your hunger and a desire for you. But we say, Holy Spirit, we need you so much to direct our thoughts, our emotions, our hearts tonight towards the Father. And that's what we pray is that you will arrest us and bring us, Lord, to that holy place with you where we are separate, Lord, unto you, unto your kingdom coming into our lives where we can only say, Lord, it's for your glory, it's for your name that we are here and that we live. Because in, in you we live, we move and we have our being. Outside of you, we have no breath, we have nothing. You are our all-sufficient one. We just bless you tonight that the name of Jesus will resound through the earth and in the heavenlies. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. We've been busy on this series in the morning and the evening, so we're sort of wrapping up this series, and we spoke a lot in the last couple of weeks on deception and how do we um, stay out of a place where we can get deceived, or how do, how do we focus on on being biblical Christians, and um, about two weeks ago, we spoke on the, the whole thing of culture, and we're going to sort of jump into that a little bit tonight again, and the jealousy of God, the fact that um, sometimes we don't know how many even idols are in our lives, uh, because we think idols are these poles that uh, people in India worship and walk around, but the greatest idols are idols in our hearts, are things that we exalt above the Lord Jesus. Or sometimes just a, a false image of Jesus. And so we, ru- we rush into this scripture tonight. There's a couple of them that I'm going to just repeat. Um, the simplicity of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2, 4, 2 to 4, Paul writes with this sort of like this desire, this yearning inside of him. And he says, for I'm jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband. He's writing to this church. He says that I may present you as a chaste virgin, pure to Christ. But I fear, he says, I've got a fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. A lot of Christians don't know that their minds have been corrupted by the world. And we actually need renewal. We actually need a change in our minds and our emotions because sometimes, you know, we can be very religious and we can come to a service like tonight and you can be all over the place and you think like, oh, that choir is nice and the people is nice, but be so distracted and you've, you're actually so distracted by the things in the world or the worries or the cares and stuff that, that you struggle to focus on God. And so Paul writes this and he says, he actually goes on and he says, well, I fear that if another Jesus or another gospel or another spirit is preached to you then, or brought to you, then you're going to actually drift away because there's been some stuff that the world, the world has crept into your heart or into the church. And unfortunately today, there's, there's even a lot, especially in the more charismatic churches, a lot of the world in the church and therefore there is no power. There is no presence of God. 
and we don't even realize it, you know. So last Sunday night, we had this amazing opportunity to host Um Angus here, and it was just so amazing because there were a lot of intercessors praying, a lot of people, but just the testimonies. You know, even the security, one of the security guards that were just doing their duty came afterwards and just broke down before God and said, hey, I, I need the presence of God. One of the students came, I think it was on Tuesday, and he said he just walked in, and at the first song, he started to weep uncontrollably for an hour and a half, and he's not the weepy type. And there was no hay fever or stuff in the air. You know? Just before the service, we prayed for a boy 16 years, 15 years old. Three times he had cancer. His first cancer was cut out of his ribs when he was 10 years old. Second time when he was 12, then his lungs on 14. On Monday, they sent back the test. On Tuesday, the parents said, because the mother wanted to fly him overseas and do lots of operations, part of his ribs, that rib cage they had to remove and all that stuff. The doctor said, sit down, please, because he's completely healed. No more cancer. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Amen. I think you can do better than that. Hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> so, so, wow, God still heals. You know, he healed last Sunday and he healed during the week and that's the God we serve. But there's a simplicity, there's a way of living before the Lord. Listen to what um, Richard Foster writes in his book. He says, our need for security has led us to an insane attachment to things. The mass media has convinced us that to be out of step with fashion is to be out of step with reality. And the question we asked in the past couple of weeks is, do we conform or do we transform? Are you going to be conformed to the patterns of this world, the culture of this world? Because the culture of the world says your identity is formed by the things outside, what you wear, the fashion, where you go, what experiences you have, the emotional stuff, how you feel about things. And the, the Word of God says your identity is formed by what God says. It's the inside. It's what, what God has spoken over your life. And therefore, as Christians, there's a massive sort of road coming, and it, the one side is those who say, yes, Jesus is Lord, and then there's others that just say, oh, no, I'm satisfied with Jesus just being Savior, taking me to heaven, and that's nice, but please, Jesus, don't be involved in my life. But, but there's, a, there's a group of people that is saying, like, sure, I, I want to know what's real. I want to know what's authentic. And let me tell you, the people out there in the world that are drinking every Wednesday and Sunday and Saturday, it's every day of the week now, it seems, but Every day that's just drinking. What they are asking, they're asking one thing, is Jesus real? And if we give them a fake Jesus, there's going to be no power. If we give them a, a Jesus of entertainment or, a, a, you know, a, a sort of a, a false Jesus, then they're going to just look at it and say, oh, no, that's just, I can just add that to my life. But I don't know if you, if you encounter Christ, if you walk into the fullness of Christ, you will be changed. So what is authentic? What is really real? And so then we started to ask this question about culture. You know, we live in an individualistic culture and in a consumer culture. And the whole world is say, saying to you on this one side, hey, take your value from the riches of God, the riches of your relationships, and place it on what you can get. And so there's a shift. It already happened like 40 years ago, you know. You can just look at it in the advertising business you know they they used to actually watch a couple of the ads that just came out right at the beginning and then they would take that thing and they'd say this is the value and this is this is really 
why you must buy this product because it's a very good product. And it's amazing. It has all these features. This is the best chair you will ever sit on because it's made of this wood. It's made of this. It's made of that. Um, and it's going to last so long. This is the fabric. And that's how the advertising business started. And then in the 1970s, 80s, at the end of 80s, what they started to do, they said, no, 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 let's change it. Let's go over to tell people they have a need for something that they don't have. Let's create a need so that they buy the product according to emotion, not according to value. And the whole world, especially in the West, has shifted away from what is valued and worth to what is quick fix and feeling. It's called consumerism. So now you look at that ad, ad and you think like, sure, I need that thing because if I need that thing, then I'm going to get the half-naked lady that stands with that car and the meal and everything. You, this is all going to be added to my life. You know, I was watching some of the Masters golf. It's, it's actually, have you ever thought like some of the sport we play, you know, like rugby. There's, there's like 30 people running after this little leather, 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 leather thing, you know. Or a soccer ball. People go, whoa, whoa, whoa. People go berserk because it's like this little thing. And then you like, or this golf, you know, golf. Sure. This little ball that you put in this hole. Now, there's a guy called, ladies, if you don't know, but, but he's a, he's, he was a very good golf player. He's Tiger Woods, but, but he hits into the woods a lot, you know. So when, they, when he hits into the woods, into the trees, and then you just see these people running like, you know, and then everybody stands there because they just want to see, is, does Tiger breathe, you know. And they think like, people, you've gone crazy. Because you think that a moment with Tiger can change your life. And then you actually think, but it's not real because if ever you, you base your life on greed and lust, you'll never have enough. It will always be empty because it's not valued. It's not worth. And so in Matthew 10, verse 7 to 8, we saw that as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. <laughs> Many Christians cannot give because they have traded true riches, the unsearchable riches of Christ. They've traded for just a worldly existence. And the Lord wants us to place back our value, our worth on, on Him. We, we sang it tonight, you are worthy of it all. Do you know how powerful that word is that we sang? You are worthy of it all. Do you know what you sang tonight? You are worthy of it all. So if we can have a moment in heaven tonight, heaven doesn't stand still when we have a crisis. Heaven keeps on worshiping. And the angels say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And they don't get bored with singing the same thing over and over. Great is the one who was and who is and who is to come. Because every time they sing holy, a greater part of God's holiness is revealed of who he is. See, but you and I need to make decisions. It's even when I come to church, when I come to small group, and I hear a lot of people, oh, you know, those people, they don't really fit my needs, and I don't really like it, you know, because the worship is too long. And Do you know what? I'm rather going to go to that other church because they, their service is 40 minutes, you know, and that's so quick. It's quick in, quick out, and then I can go and watch soccer for three hours. It's not about the length of the church service. 
But we have to be very careful that we don't shift to a consumer culture and then we expect God to move by power and by his presence in our lives because we'll always trade something. And the question is, where do you put your treasure? Where is your treasure tonight? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can go and just, just dig a bit in people's hearts and say, hey, where's your treasure? Is it on eternal things or is it on earthly things? Sure, it's getting very quiet here. Why is it so quiet? So what, what begins to happen is we move into a culture of entertainment. We want to be entertained. And then we walk into the presence of God and we want to be entertained. And we go like, oh, I don't like that song. I don't like that thing. I don't like that thing. And then we begin to try it because we begin to think that song worship is the songs we sing. Then we, then, we, then we begin to shift because we're not into a lifestyle of worship anymore, a lifestyle of surrender. We just want quick fixes. And the Lord is inviting us to more. Amen? So we ended a couple of weeks ago. We asked this question last week, two weeks ago. We said, why, why does the church lose its wow? It's, it's just that, wow, Lord. Wow. That, that ability just to say, wow, is because suddenly we have, we have changed from, the culture have changed from relationship and what's valuable in relationship, relationship with God, relationship with each other, real covenant relationship, where it's become so cheap, even marriage has become so cheap, stuff has become so cheap, if I don't like her anymore, I just trade her in, if I don't like him, I just panel beat him, I just like Ooh, you know. The crazy thing is, I have a friend in, in America, he says that if you are a pastor there, then part of your package is that you can get a facelift every five to seven years for free. And then they're like, you know, they left. Like, and those things are all going to, it's just not going to work. And it's actually scary, you know, because we all think like, yeah. So let, let me take it home a little bit. And this is not to condemn us, but how many of us spent more time to think about what we wear and who we're going to meet at church tonight than encountering God on your way here? Preparing yourself to meet with the Lord. Or how many of us have not thought about it at all? I'm going to go to church because it's nice. Yeah, yeah. Woo. And those shofar chicks, they are cool, I tell you. I'm going to choose one of them. And the chicks are cool, yeah, but they're not here for you. Okay. <laughs> so First Corinthians 10 verse 31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. I want to put this definition on there again. The glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. John Piper says it like this. The glory of God is the manifest beauty of his holiness. It is the going public of his holiness. It is the way he puts his holiness on display for people to apprehend. So the glory of God is the holiness of God made manifest. If we are not a holy people, we will never see God. Without holiness, you cannot see God. And holiness means a holiness unto God first. And then a holiness 
separate from the world. And a holiness separate into the word by the Holy Spirit. A separate people. You are my chosen people, my special people, my holy nation to proclaim the praises of God. Stands there in First Peter. The glory of God is the manifest beauty of his holiness. The beauty of his holiness. So how beautiful is God to you? Or do you get bored with God? Do you settle for entertainment? Or are you allowing the Holy Spirit to, to do something in your heart to say, God, I want to know the beauty of your holiness. I want to, there's a beauty, there's a majesty. There's an old song, majesty, worship is majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory and honor and praise. Majesty. We don't know what is majestic anymore. I think the Queen of England probably has the majestic thing still going, eh? Have you checked out? And she gets it. She just, she never runs. Have you ever seen the Queen run to the car? I'm late. And she just throws her handbag in there and then like, yeah, you know. Come on, let's be cool with that. Sure, no, she wears those pearls and that crown so heavily that it's just like, just majestic, she goes. Because the queen is time. Do you know the queen is never late? But they have this story, I, I can't remember who it was, but one of the preachers that would go, and he was invited by the queen to go and visit the queen. And so she was late, an hour late. And she came five minutes to one. She walked in. I can't remember if it was John G. Like one of these preachers. And then everybody was like, yo, queen, queen. And then as she came to sit, after five minutes, she stood up. She said, sorry, queen, but I have to go. And everybody thought like, this is very rude. She says, because every day at one o'clock, I have an appointment with the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and I never miss it. And he walked out. Sure. But how are you desiring God's glory in your life? What are you trading? What is valuable? What is worth? And that's why narcissism and entitlement and materialism, that stuff is at the core of our society. But it's based on greed and lust and getting more things and, and going into the next adventure. And yeah, yeah, if I, if I don't go and play those 10 courses of golf, then I'm not fulfilled. And then we have these bucket lists and we have like jump from the mountains and all that. And it's not ungodly. But how many bucket lists have we got for the kingdom of God? Is it, am I a bit tough on us? No, no, that's just what the word says. But the invitation is, and the question is, is how big is God? How majestic is our Lord? And scripture talks about it because if you just start to think if you think about the next five scriptures that I'm going to give you, it is going to blow your mind completely because firstly, you must recognize that your mind cannot figure out how big God is. So when you look at some of the character traits of God or some of the things that make God God, the first thing is He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. Listen to what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, 1 Timothy 1 verse 17, Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. He's eternal, he's invisible, but he's all-knowing. 
He knows everything. And the amazing thing is he knows you better than what you know yourself because he even knows the hair on your head, how many there are. Some more than others and some less than others. Okay? He's all-knowing. Sure. The Bible says in Psalm 147, and I want us to read this together, he's infinite, he's limitless, he's got no beginning or end. Everything in your life that you and I encountered, do you know what? It's got a beginning and an end. And we like to box things in. We want to say, hey, this is where it starts. This is where it ends. Some people, you know, this is my three years degree. This is, starts here. This ends here. Some people, I must say, they, 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 you know, they, this is where my degree starts, but this is a long-term thing, you know? So, so seven, eight, you know, as long as daddy pays. But that's all right, you know? No, no, the three years is all right, not the seven or the nine years. Okay, but so Psalm 147 verse 3, read it with me. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. He counts the numbers of the stars. We are still trying to figure out how many galaxies there are. And he's counted each one of them. The galaxies just go on and on and on and on. And God has numbered each one of them. Every star. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. God is everywhere. So, so I think we must change our theology a little bit because we pray like this many times. Oh Lord, I am here now and I'm going to write test here now. And I am in need of your help. So Lord, please be with me. Or Holy Spirit, come here to where I am. That's not actually biblical because he's everywhere. Yes, we do acknowledge the Holy Spirit and we acknowledge his presence, but but he's there. He's everywhere. Even when you sit there and you worship there on the white throne and you think you're all by yourself. Some of you enjoy that Quiet time too much there. Ministry. But he's there. And so we have this idea like, yo, I'm over here. My life is over here. But you know what? God is over there. So God, just come and join me in my pursuit, in my life, in my relationship. But the amazing thing is he's everywhere. Even when you're the sleeping and you're not aware of him, he's there. How great is your God? How big is your God? But see, culture takes that amazing big God and tries to box him in to our existence, to our culture, to our fears, and then we limit God. But he's omnipresent. Oh, I like this one. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Revelations 19 verse 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah! Because there's an exclamation mark. For the Lord God omnipotent rides. 
okay, so there's another exclamation mark there, okay? Some of you are reading the scripture wrongly, okay? But it's like, when he speaks, there's like mighty thunderings. The voice of a great, have you ever heard a great multitude just shout before the throne of God? So, so one thing I want to tell you tonight is that there's no panic button in heaven. Have you realized that? <laughs> God is quite sitting on his throne and he's in charge, he's sovereign. And that almighty God invites you and I to an audience with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There are many other things we can talk about tonight, but we, we don't have too much time. So these other things that talks about God is sovereign. God is eternal. God is immortal. God is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anyone. He doesn't need anything. The amazing thing is he doesn't need you. And, and therefore you and I can surrender to him because every other religion, every other person that you will encounter will come to you based on a need they have. We are needy people. And every other, like I said, even religion is based on fear or certain conditions or certain stuff. But true Christianity is based on God's choice of us as mankind. Not because God needs us, but because God loves us. It's unconditional. And we don't know unconditional love. Because everything we know and everything we experience has got conditions attached. But now we come into another realm of how great our God is. And the challenge is then we come as consumers we want quick fixes so we need a freedom and a deliverance to begin to say to God okay God but but where do I start how do I start to encounter you not based on my culture not based on on my past but based on who you are so we cannot really worship God if we don't really know the word do you do you agree because there God reveals himself and the amazing thing is is he want to? And so the, the ultimate revelation that he gives to us is the fact that he's our father, our Abba Father. That majestic, almighty, all-consuming fire, great God comes and he primarily reveals himself to us in the New Testament through the fact that he's your father. And so now our challenge with culture and with stuff is now all of us have got a story of how we grew up in our families and we, we come with negative stuff. Or we come with this cheap relationship that we're trying to figure out what is real relationship and what is real family. And we come into church and then we bring that whole culture and then God says, hey, I want to redeem the culture. I want to redeem your heart. I want to take away that corruption out of your heart and I want to show you that I'm your Abba Father. I want to I I I bring you because I've chosen you. I see there's a couple of scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. It says, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed to them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. There is no way that you and I can encounter God or get to know God without the fullness of the Holy Spirit. 
And today there's a lot of people that are walking, we call them cessationists, and people that say, no, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit isn't there, the Holy Spirit doesn't move anymore, you know. Just try to figure out on an intellectual level who God is and all that stuff. And there's nothing wrong with intellect, there's nothing wrong with theology. We need good theology, amen, because theology is a study of God. But we need spiritual theologians that can live by a revelation of who God is. Because it says, hey, Nobody has seen, no ear has heard. It's not even entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared, but. So in the natural, there is no way you and I can have an encounter with God, the real opening up of our hearts and worshiping Him in His glory because we're trying to psych ourselves up. He says, but God has revealed Him to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. And the Holy Spirit wants to grab hold of your life, of your heart, and then we find this beautiful scripture in Romans 8 verse 14. It says, for many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of a bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. There's a whole generation of people that are crying out for something. They're crying out for the Abba, Father. <laughs> They're crying out for a place of belonging and security. But they're running to the other places of desire. They're running to the other place. And, and so the only way that you and I can actually show them is by we encountering God, but not out of a cultural place, not out of, oh, I'm a dogbreaker, and because I'm a dogbreaker, I'm going to worship like a dogbreaker. Or I'm an Afrikaner, and because I'm Afrikaner, I'm going to, you have to get rid of the cultural boxes so that God can redeem your culture. And every culture, there's some great stuff. Afrikaner people are very, very loyal. And they have the fear of God, but they can become very religious if it's just a set of rules. Some people like Vilio can dance, and Afrikaner people can't dance. I will look like a cook sister after I've done what he has done there. Okay? What is a cook sister in Engels? A cake sister. Is there another name for a cook sister? Cook sister is a cook sister. Huh? Cook sister. A twisted sister. That sounds like false doctrine, okay? Oh, give me a twisted sister. <laughs> oh, that's not going to work. Okay, so, but, so, it says that for... The sonship is revealed and there's two spirits at work against each other. There's a spirit of bondage again to fear and there's a spirit of adoption by whom I cried, Abba, Father. And so God is inviting us to this place where we begin to say yes again to his wow, to who he is. And once you begin to say yes to the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life, once you begin to surrender to that, it's a journey where you'll never get bored. Because it's not about entertainment. It's not about the flashlights. It's not about these nice lights. I actually put out these lights. Can you see that it's very creative this morning? Early, I put out these lights. 
You can't see them because the baptism pool is there. But, but they, they've been numerically counted. It's according to the scripture, Revelation chapter 3 verse 12. The seven eyes of the beast in front of the throne. And then the other ones. No, the beasts are not in front of the throne. I checked up on you. No, it's not. Okay? But he's like this angel with eyes before and behind. And, and that's why you can count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And the other six is like the, 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 the purple color that reflects the creativity. And the other four on that side... But see, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Okay, but so, <laughs> this means absolutely nothing about the presence of God. Because the moment when we trade that light, we're all for excellence. Because look, it lo everything looks beautiful, but that can mean absolutely nothing if you have changed your value and your worth system. So what do we do? We also do that in our relationships. We want cheap, quick fixes, and then we bring our little lists and say, this is how she must look, and this is what she must have, because I need somebody like that that can fulfill me. If he has all these looks, then do you know what? Then, yeah. And then we try to wholeness in Christ for other things. And so God is inviting a generation to come and say, Lord, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit more than ever in my life to unfold me, to, un, to, to unlock this thing in my heart to really see who God is. And it starts by you learning to give. It starts by you learning to serve. It starts by you learning to come in a place of prayer. There must be a personal altar in your life before God. Because your prayer life will reflect what you have traded. No prayer, no glory. No seeking God, no glory. Too many people say today, no, there's quick fixes in the kingdom of God. There is no quick fixes. It's when you search, when the Holy Spirit grabs hold of you. And he takes your heart and he begins to break your heart. Say, God, I want to see the glory, your glory on this campus. I want to see your glory manifest, Lord, in this nation of ours that is in such a gamos. So, Lord, there's so much chaos, and now we're looking to politicians to save our nation. But how many of us are crying in that altar before the Lord? Say, God, unless you come, we are all destined for destruction. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, come and reveal yourself. This is not a show. The kingdom of God is not a show. It's not about entertainment. It's not about us trying to have a cultural experience with God. We are coming to the living God. And he's coming back. And he's coming back to a holy bride, a pure bride that has made herself ready. That has prepared our heart. And so I want to I wanna, I wanna challenge you. I want to challenge you to open up your heart. And for some of us, it's difficult to start with with God, but start with his people. I want you to start to just bless other people. I told the families this morning, I said, look here, once a month you invite somebody else or another family into your home. Just open up your home and see what God is going to do. And the second thing is you start to pray. You start to say, God, I'm going to pray less for my own things. I'm going to have my list and I'm going to put it there. And then I'm going to begin to pray for what's on your heart, for this nation, for this town, for my faculty, for my campus. For my workplace, let your prayers be 80% for others 
and the needs of others and 20 for yourself and see how God brings a revival in your life. And then the third thing is, for everyone in this church, I want a name. Somebody that you are committed to disciple. You need to ask God, God, who am I going to be discipling? Because discipleship is part of the great commission. God says, go into the nations and disciple people. You see, if we don't disciple people, then we have changed. I'm just coming to church because it's a nice experience. But then we become hearers of the word and not doers because the word must become flesh. And you must take somebody else's hand and say, look here, the word has become alive in my life. And I'm going to show you what it means to follow Jesus. So all you start to do is you start to pray because God says everyone in church is a minister. Everyone is a laborer. And that is so exciting because when God starts to use you and you're not looking to the pastor and think that he's very spiritual and therefore I can't do anything. No, it's where the whole church begins to stand up and everyone says, hey, I'm gonna, I want to be used by God. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Take my heart. Use it. Break my heart for what breaks yours then the glory of God is going to come because we become givers. We become people that say, freely I've received, now freely I give. So Peter walks up into this great beautiful and, and he says, well, money and gold I don't have, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. It was such a part of the first culture of the first church. They just came together, sold everything, and then they lived with gladness and simplicity of heart. But for all of us, you know, if somebody would walk up to us now and say, look here, the Lord tells me to you sell all your stuff. Whew. No. Why should the Lord ask me to get out of my comfort at all? But I must also acknowledge that we as the church in the West, we're not ready for that yet. Because then there will also be Ananias and Sapphira, people dropping dead. When they lied to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> We're not there yet. But you know what? God has to hold back on us with his glory because he cannot trust us with his real glory, with his real power. Because we'll probably write 10 books, make 20 videos, put it on Facebook and sell it. Um, Stephen Lunga tells about the story of how he comes to these ladies there in the tell. And many of you know his testimony, how he wanted to blow up a tent there in Zimbabwe. And then the Lord saved him radically that night. He went forward, gave his life to the Lord. Him, him and his gang wanted to, to kill this whole tent. But it says a couple of years later, he gets to Natal and he's, he's sharing his testimony in this little church somewhere there in the rural areas. And then two old ladies come up. They walk up to him, Stephen. They say, Stephen, we just want to tell you. Look at our diary. And the one lady takes out this diary. Says, there is the date. Well, that's not 10, 15 years later. This is the date the Lord told us that we must pray because there will be a terrorist in Zimbabwe that will get saved. And we've been praying for you all these years. See, that's the unsearchable riches of Christ. We're going to be shocked in heaven one day to see who gets what in heaven? <laughs> Some of those old ladies, intercessors, like Kumi here in front. Kumi prays. I mean, Kumi brings, Kumi is 80 years old, and Tanimori there at the back, what, 94. So when Kumi brings that finger, I run. Because <laughs> he says, I pray for you. 
I think like, yeah, she means it. Most other people that say, oh, I've been thinking about you this week. And then I want to like, why didn't you pray? <laughs> yeah. Please don't think about me. Think about Jesus, okay? You don't need thinking about other people. But there are some people that are grabbing a hold and say, Lord, we don't want this stuff anymore. Stuff will never satisfy us. Experiences, it's you we want. The unsearchable riches of Christ. And so what needs to change is you and I need a radical shift to become givers. We need a radical shift first that the Holy Spirit will take hold of your heart to be able to give to God because many people cannot cry out, Abba, Father. Many people cannot connect with God because of this culture of the homes and the hurt and the, the pain. I wish I had time to go to every person sitting here. And each one of us would, would have a story of our pains with our earthly fathers, with our families and the hurt and the rejection and the fear of failure and the stuff. We all have a story, but we don't have an excuse. Because the Holy Spirit is raising up a generation that can say, Abba, Father. And that's going to mean you and I need to trust him. And we can because the cross makes it manifest. The cross brings it to a place of freedom. So I want us to stand tonight. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.